Blog Talk Hello, Radio. welcome to the Nell Parcel. Welcome to the Neil Garfield Show, a presentation sponsored by www.livinglies.wordpress.com, GTC Honored, and The Garfield Firm, serving all 50 states with news and analysis of the latest bank scams against borrowers, homeowners, consumers, and investors, and providing legal representation throughout Florida. This program is for general information only. It is not a solicitation for services or legal representation and should never be used as a substitute for advice from a licensed professional. And now, here's world-renowned financial expert, attorney, and blogger, Neil Garfield. Questions and hopefully answers tonight. Hi, Charles Marshall here, in for Neil Garfield, and it's Thursday, April 27th, 2017. Good afternoon for those in the Western time zones, and good evening to those in the East. We will be discussing tonight all things appeals, particularly addressing questions regarding when you should appeal an unfavorable lawsuit result, and also, just as importantly, when you should not appeal a lawsuit result. I am broadcasting live from San Diego, California, and this show is brought to you by the Living Lies blog, GTC Honors, Lending Lies, AMGAR, and the Garfield Firm, with offices in South Florida, And this show is specially brought to you because of donations to the Living Lies blog from listeners like you. Thank you, and I thank you on behalf of Neil Garfield. And for those of you who are not contributors, we ask that you hit the donate button on the blog or call area code 202-838-6345 which is our main number, and pledge whatever you think you can afford. If this show has value for you, then please make a contribution to help us continue helping you and all consumers. Now, far as the situation with appeals, the the appellate courts and the results that they turn out whether it's California where I practice or back east in the Midwest where you have a lot of judicial foreclosure states, appellate courts have results that are all over the map. And one of the things that uh, I'd like to convey to all listeners on this show in today's broadcast is that the decision of whether or not to appeal a specific case It's a major decision, and there are a lot of strategic. There are a lot of strategic questions. There are a lot of strategic decisions that have to be made before making that important decision. One of the fundamental questions, I think, all borrowers have to ask, whether they're either in a non-judicial or a judicial foreclosure state, is. 
am I still in the house? If you are still in the house, then it can make sense strategically to bring an appeal. And whether or not you're likely to prevail in that appeal, of course, that's an important question and that's an important calculus that needs to go into your decision. But if you're still in the house, that's the subject property of the appeal. That weighs very heavily in terms of appealing. And I realize the utility of that can be somewhat limited in a judicial foreclosure state. But even in a judicial foreclosure state, if you appeal an unfavorable ruling, despite the fact that it's difficult to get an appellate panel or even the initial appellate court to stay the judgment against you in a judicial foreclosure. If you don't appeal, then the servicer on the other side, well, let's put it this way. The servicer on the other side has very little incentive to back off from just going forward with everything. Because, of course, in your judicial foreclosure state, the foreclosure process itself is complete at the at the point of judgment. So your only remedy at that point is to appeal the decision and then ask the appellate court to stay the decision. Now, in the real world, the number of times that you might prevail in that particular appeal, yes, in foreclosure law, that's always going to be very limited. But that's not the fundamental question or even the fundamental issue here. The fundamental question and the fundamental issue here is, can you improve your bargaining power? Can you improve your case strategically by appealing? Because in the, in the, the great majority of cases, it will be legitimate to bring an appeal. So you should not be taught out of bringing an appeal because you talk to an attorney who tells you, well, your appeal doesn't have merit or, well, I, I won't take your appeal because I don't think we can prevail. I mean, that's very milk toast analysis, and that's a very small-minded, small-world view analysis of how to use an appeal. There are going to be very few cases where bringing an appeal will be per se illegitimate. The vast majority of these cases have real errors in them, and when the, the findings and the ultimate judgments are against the homeowner, there's usually some mistake of law, and that's all that's required for an appeal is one significant mistake of law. And although the facts are essentially recirculated into the appeal, there are some limited cases where you can also challenge those as well. So the bottom line for all listeners here is that you need to use appeals strategically. And even if you're in a judicial foreclosure state, while it's not likely that you will get a stay of the foreclosure when you appeal, even if you bring such a motion, it's good to have that on the record and it will increase your bargaining power about when and how you actually exit from the property. Because California is not the only state that has a fairly 
consumer-friendly process which forces the servicers and the, you know, the nominal securitized trust holders like Deutsche Bank, you know, and 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 their alphabet soup of the securitized trust that follows the name Deutsche Bank or New York Bank Mellon. Those are two of the biggest securitized trusts in the United States. You see those, those uh, acronyms in these cases all over the United States, whether we're talking judicial or non-judicial foreclosures. So what you want to look for in these cases is can you get settlement value increased? Can you get a little bit of bargaining leverage? And yes, you can. Because if you have an appeal, that's a legal process that can go on and will go on in many cases for years, whether you're in a judicial foreclosure state like Massachusetts or Illinois or New York or Florida, or whether you're in, whether you are in a non-judicial foreclosure state like Nevada, Arizona, California, Oregon. So the goal of the appeal again is to increase settlement value. And you can often do that through simply bringing the appeal. Now the timeliness issue is absolutely critical there there are going to be guidelines and deadlines on that at every state. In California, if it's a state court matter, you need to appeal an unfavorable ruling, which will always end in a judgment of some kind. You need to appeal that once it's a final decision as to all defendants in your case. You need to appeal that within 60 days of the operative decision. Now, this is where it gets complicated, and this can also be an issue in judicial foreclosure states because the way the appellate process works, you could be appealing from a judgment. You could be appealing from an order. You could even be appealing from a minute order because the judge never finalized or the prevailing party never finalized into a final document the actual results of a decision that said you lose. So it's important to get legal advice, preferably from an attorney. If you're determined to go pro per pro se, meaning on your own, then you need to do some serious analysis so that you confirm for your state for your proceeding, whether it's federal court or state, you need to confirm what the process is because the deadlines can be superficially straightforward. But again, you may be appealing 60 days from a judgment decision, but the operative date might have been the order or if there was no order, the minute order. And if you miss an appeal by even one day, this is something that I have to reiterate to clients all the time because this is critical. And this is true, again, whether you're in a judicial foreclosure state or a non-judicial foreclosure state. If your appeal decision is filed one day late, yes, it's called the notice of appeal. If you file that document one day late, The other side can challenge it. Now, will the court challenge it? Probably not. 
if you file the document 20 days late or 45 days late, I think you're going to have clerks look at your filing and say, we're not letting this come through. Because, again, when I say this is a jurisdictional issue, this is what it means. Appellate courts have exclusive jurisdiction over your case once you appeal. The lower court, in essence, is no longer they're no longer a, a, a neutral to your case. I'm not going to say they're no longer a party because they were never a party. They're supposed to be a neutral decider as to your case. And they no longer have authority once you appeal your case to consider your, your matter. Now, as a practical matter, there has to be a handoff from the lower court to the appellate court of your documents, of your record. You have to do what's called designating your record, no matter where you are. Again, this is whether you're either in a judicial or a non-judicial foreclosure state. So the way that works in the real world is you have to make sure that you follow the rules wherever you are. And if you're in a non-judicial foreclosure state, it can be very critical to maintaining possession of the property. Um, because since the, the, the losing of a case in a non-judicial foreclosure state where you're the plaintiff, as parties will know, as plaintiffs will know, you will still maintain possession of the property and you may still be entitled to the property. However, unless you appeal an unfavorable uh, lawsuit judgment, there's a good chance you're going to get steamrolled. It may be later rather than sooner, but that's what will be coming down the road. So as long as you appeal, you preserve your rights. And there's another principle of appeal that I think people are vaguely familiar with. Some people, you know, some of our listeners are more, more familiar than others. And that is this principle. When you appeal, you do not have superficially. Oh, it's, it's funny that I use the word superficially because in reality, legally, you don't have race judicata. I mean, if a race judicata issue comes up, that's where a judge will look at a later lawsuit or a later claim or a later legal argument on your part. And that judge would say, well, this has already been litigated. You can't address that again. When you're talking about the case, that's race judicata. When you're talking about a specific cause of action, that's called claim preclusion. In any case, those are very similar. And what happens in the race judicata realm is that as long as your case is on appeal, you do not have race judicata. Why do I say that? Because race judicata, by definition, means the following. You've had a lawsuit. It, it had certain defendants. It had various causes of action. The lawsuit ended in a judgment against you, whether you were either on the plaintiff or the defendant side. And you did not appeal that lawsuit. Well, if you don't timely appeal and there isn't a pending appeal, that is race judicata at least at the front end. Because race judicata means 
a final judgment which is not subject to appeal. And again, this principle applies whether you're on either the plaintiff's side or the defendant's side. So real world, what does that mean? It means appeal your decision if you can, you know, under a lot of different scenarios. Even if you have to go pro per, even if you have to go pro se, I mean, there are going to be a number of issues. Appeals are very complex, but the deadlines are actually less daunting than, than they are with lower court cases. You do have various deadlines. You have some flexibility once you've done your notice of appeal. The only time when you can just completely blow a deadline and you never get a second chance, that's at the notice of appeal stage because, again, it's a jurisdictional issue. Your case must be sent to the appellate court within a jurisdictional time frame. If that doesn't happen and you blow the general 60-day time frame in California or other states or you blow the 30-day time frame to appeal in federal court, and by the way, that's a very common time frame in all the federal districts throughout all the various states. But state-by-state laws are going to be different. Not every state is going to allow you 60 days to appeal like California. So you need to know your state's time frame if you have a state lawsuit. Again, whether, whether you were defended in a judicial foreclosure state or a plaintiff in a non-judicial foreclosure state, you need to be aware and apprised of these deadlines and guidelines. So once you appeal, then you are going to have deadlines. You are going to have guidelines. But there is some flexibility there. If if you blow a deadline, typically you'll get some time to correct that. Because once the appellate court has jurisdiction, which happens literally with the filing of your notice of appeal, then, yes, there can be some flexibility. If, If you're late on a document, it's not the end of the world. On the other hand, once you get to the opening brief, that is a really big deal. And your case is either going to not just live or die. I mean, again, very few of these cases will prevail. That's not the point. The point is, can you put forward pleadings that are sufficiently developed enough, that have enough particularity as to the facts and argument, and connecting the facts with the various statutory and case law that you will cite, just as you cited these types of of uh, pleading elements at the lower level of court, you will be citing similar elements. You're going to be citing statutory law. You're going to be citing case law when you do an, an appellate opening brief. And then the other side is going to do a respondent's brief, and then you're going to do a reply brief. So there are going to be scenarios where even when you're not in your property anymore, an an appeal is worth bringing, particularly where the judicial findings, the judicial holding, the judicial result is really not necessarily dramatically unwarranted because then clearly you would want to appeal, but largely unwarranted. There may be enough play there that if you were to appeal, the defendants would worry about what their result would be. Once they're worrying about what an appellate court 
what what an what an appellate court would do with any decision that comes down, then they're more likely to settle for cash or some other some other medium that would benefit you. So one of the things that you need to keep in mind on the, the non-judicial foreclosure front, particularly where you're still in the property, is that, I mean, in California, it could take two to three years for an appeal to be litigated. Um, you're going to get to the opening brief stage, but you can ask for an extension. You can ask for multiple extensions. Now, the other side will also ask for extensions. And I have to tell you what, what I'm about to talk about here, I think this is a principle you should use throughout your pleading. I mean, there is a reason that attorneys have this kind of pompous term. If I were, if I were not an attorney, I would find this term pompous and obnoxious. What am I talking about? The term is professional courtesy. Yeah, right. As if attorneys are ever professionally courteous. Well, I don't know that they are truly professionally courteous, frankly, being an attorney and seeing what I deal with. On the other hand, if there is a deadline and these institutional defendants, their attorneys, let's say you're in pro per pro se, they ask you for an extension. I know it's tempting to just tell them to go pound sand. And it might be justified in a particular situation to tell them to do that. And believe me, I also know that if you give them an extension, and again, giving these extensions is quite common, I would say at the higher levels of attorney practice, because yes, we know that the people on the other side, the servicers, the institutional players, players, I mean, I don't know if they're lizards, but they're behaving as if they are evil. And unfortunately, I have to use that term because that's how the other side behaves. So whether we can ultimately decide in some kind of fundamental truth-assessing way, whether these people and whether these institutional servicers and semi-bogus securitized trusts are evil or not, in the real world, you will need to deal with them. And it will be to your interest to give them extensions and to be flexible about certain procedural matters. Not least because if you ever need an extension, then that will benefit you as well. Uh, The other piece that goes into this is that particularly if you're still in the property, Time is your friend in the vast majority of cases. Even if you're you're in the property post foreclosure, and let's say you're in California, there's an unlawful detainer pending. Well, there are a lot of procedures you can use in the unlawful detainer process, and I I, I still handle those cases quite a lot because so many so many borrowers end up coming to me from different places in that situation. And the way to handle those is you need to buy time. And so if you have an underlying appeal from, let's say, a plaintiff's lawsuit that you didn't prevail in, 
it will be in your interest to give the other party on the other side time. One, they will give you time accordingly. I, I, I do think, unfortunately, it's true that unless <clears throat> there's a pretty analogous situation, meaning where you gave them time on a certain principle or a certain procedure, they'll give you lifetime. That's pretty much true. Will they give you time on something that even slightly inconveniences them beyond that? Will they, let's say, move a demure date at the lower court level? Probably not. But the, but the beautiful thing about the appellate uh, process is that reciprocity is built into the whole system, and you should use that because again, if you're if you're if you're in the property and months are going by, that's to your benefit. There's no way, but that isn't to your benefit. So that's something that you should use. And you know, there is there is also a kind of um, I'm not going to use the word esprit de corps, even though that's what comes to mind. There is some limited esprit, and it, and it may be a tiny esprit. It may be so small that, frankly, it's hard to uh, to define what amount that is. But by giving some accommodation to the other side, you're creating humanity between you and, and them. And that may feel totally unjustified, but... I'm telling you that in the real world, that will benefit you in some way. You won't even know how that will benefit you. And even, you know, in terms of what I was saying earlier, where a lot of times the other side will not give you an accommodation that doesn't directly connect with what you gave them. There's a caveat to that. And the caveat is sometimes even in surprising ways that you can't even anticipate, they will give you a break on something. But, if you have a burn their house down attitude toward them 24/7 and you're very uncooperative about everything including things like extension deadlines then i will tell you yes they will try to burn your house down i mean they're not going to do that literally but we're talking about homes here so this is a really big deal you will find it difficult to deal with them at every turn and on every level and I'm I'm talking about, you know, really ruthless players on the other side in some cases. I mean, there's a large variety in California with what you deal with. I mean, some of these institutional firms are actually, I wouldn't call them reasonable because they're still representing predatory practices, but I can at least work with them. I can agree and we can exchange, you know, extension deadlines we can agree in exchange on some other settlement matters that help my clients. And then there's some firms that are extremely difficult and that are just absolutely ruthless and predatory. It's built into their culture. Clearly there are specific firms in California that are coached to be as ruthless as possible. Even those firms though, if I work with the attorneys on things like basic deadlines that I can agree to extend on, it will help the professional relationship. So one, if your attorney is giving those kinds of deadlines and you're upset because you think you should burn their house down, back off. It's not worth it at the end of the day. You need to give them more slack. And, you know, for those in pro per pro se, 
however abusive the other side is, no, I'm not saying kiss and make up. Do not do that. And do not give them, you know, like huge amounts of slack. But if, if there's an opportunity or an occasion that comes up where they need something from you, you might consider granting it. If it's, if it's particularly if it's an extension, because they've got stuff all template driven anyway, they're going to put it together in 48 hours or even 24 in some cases. And it's not going to be markedly different. Than it Thanks. Be. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to our broadcast. We hope that you tell your friends about us and let them know that there is hope and help in this financial crisis. Tune in every week to The Neil Garfield Show for free information and advice and visit our blog daily at The Living Lies Blog. We provide support services, the latest strategies, analysis, expert consultations, testimony and declarations to use in your battle against the largest economic crime in human history. For information concerning Neil, the team at Living Lies, or the law firm, go to www.livinglies.wordpress.com or call 520-405-1688. The opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the host and should not be attributed to any other person or entity. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.